Okay, it's time to begin class, please. How's everyone doing? Fabulous. Overload? No. Not yet, huh? Um, so what's been the most powerful class for you? When you, when you close that door, what's, what sermon or what, what class has been, uh, for example, I went to Chris Seedman, I think his name, Seedman today, uh, from the branch. Oh, and his class on technology was so good. And you can get the notes for that. So how about for you? What class or message or? Christine came. Yeah, that was, she's quite a firecracker, huh? Firecracker. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been a pretty good, pretty good teacher this week. Yeah. Dan McLaughlin. Don, Don McLaughlin. Don McLaughlin last, last night, night on the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about anyone else? Anyone? How about the singing last night? Mm-hmm. Not pretty good, huh? Okay, well, um, I have some people I just want, I want to recognize. Um, first, first, Kevin and, and Denise Carnes, just wonderful friends from Oceanside. And we haven't gone surfing together this week, but maybe tomorrow we'll see. And, and their lovely daughter, Jessica. And it's great to have them in class. And then here, this young lady over here, Holly, goes all the way back to my friendship with her, back to Bear Valley when I was at school in Denver, Colorado. And that's aging me. But, and me too. And it was just, what a nice surprise. I, I introduced myself to her and I said, oh. she said, Holly, and I was able to make the connection. And then uh, Mike and his wife, Trillis from Santa Rosa, and great to have you in class. And then my dear friends, uh, Jim and Patty Roberts, who mean so much to Wendy and I from Portland, Oregon. And just shock of all shocks to turn around and to see them yesterday. And it's nice meeting all of you and to have you in the class. Uh, this class is, is uh, called um, Try Tears. Now, Wendy, let's see if you can turn off part of this. Maybe we can get a little bit more visibility. If we just turn it down a little bit, if, if it's not, if it doesn't turn everything down and we're in the dark the whole time, can, can you turn part of it? How, how about that? Is that? Yeah, that was a good one. Thank you so much. Yeah, and what's your name again? Andre. Thank you, Andre. So I really appreciate you guys coming to the class today. And this class, um, he, he asked me in September, October, whenever it was, if I would do a class. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't put together the theme, and my theme, the Spirit-led people of God. But um, thank you, uh, David, for saying the Holy Spirit's been the greatest teacher this week. That's a great reminder to not get caught up in people or things like that. And so I had been speaking on this topic, Try Tears, and so I thought, you know what, that's going to stay. And so I'm sure six months or nine months later, it will still mean something to me. So let's have a prayer together and let's begin this class. God, I'd just like to thank you for being a part of this program. I'm appreciative to Mike Cope and uh, Dr. Benton and all the people that make this happen here. And God, I'm very thankful to be a part of um, a recipient of the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that we're experiencing this week. And I pray for all the classes going on throughout this facility and across the campus our churches, our families, and uh, God, I pray your anointing upon this class that it will have some staying power uh, in our hearts. And I pray that you will minister to the needs of the people's hearts here and also nudge us, God. Nudge us not to take it all in and keep it to ourselves. And uh, I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So try tears. This isn't going to be uh, all sad because tears can also be tears of joy. And so um, 
the idea of the class was how far will we go to reach people, including trying tears. And obviously we think of passages in the Bible where there were many um, tears shed over God's people or the condition of God's people. And so that's kind of my approach. But I'd like to start with a story that you've probably heard a thousand times, but it teaches me so much, this story. During my second month of college, our professor gave us a pop quiz. I was a conscientious student who had breezed through the questions until I read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Uh, surely this was some kind of joke. I had seen the cleaning woman several times. She was tall, dark-haired, and in her 50s. But how would I know her name? I handed in my paper, leaving the last question blank. Just before class ended, one student asked if the last question would count towards the quiz grade. Absolutely, said the professor. All, um, you will meet many people in your career, and all are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. That teaches me so much. My kids, um, Wendy and I are privileged. By the way, it's our anniversary tomorrow, 33 years. Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> and uh, we're the proud parents of, of three, uh, three grown, grown children and uh, three adult children. And um, we did not require our kids to carry on a conversation with people that they met. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to... Uh, spend time asking all kinds of questions about people, but I was meticulous and demanding that they did have to say hello. Have to do that. And they would come to me later and say, Dad, they said that I'm so friendly. <laughs> and you do have to say, especially if they were older or elder uh, senior citizen, had to say hello. And that was important. I believe that personal awareness is my awareness of a person. I do. We, like probably many of your churches, we have care groups or TLC groups or cell groups, whatever you call them, that meet in homes or ours this time meets at the church building, meets right after Sunday church. And it's kind of nice because we have lunch. And so if you're a visitor and you'd like to stay, have lunch. And we do them according to the series that I'm teaching. Right now we're doing a series by someone else, and so I'm using their material. The first week of this eight-week small group, you know, we try to rotate and bring new people and bring new life, so it's not, you know, it's not, it, it's koinonia, not koinonitis, you know, there's a freshness about it. And so um, the first week was a potluck, and we didn't get a chance to really mix around with each other and we watched a little video and answered questions. Everyone has a book in the group. But this week, the second week, I just could not go on this small group without spending time getting to know the people. And not so much me getting to know them, but them getting to know each other. And so I said, will you please tell me your story? And last year in the class, I asked you all to tell your story a little bit. I'm not gonna do it this time, but um, I want them, I want to know how did they get to know Christ and, and maybe if I get to know them a little later, um, what are their hurts that 
maybe we can be intentional and try to help with. In Chris Seidman's class today on technology, he says that um, oh, he had so many good things to share. Today it was about the head, and then tomorrow it's about the heart. But one of the things is he says that it takes about seven minutes to have a meaningful conversation with someone until you break through and you have a meaningful conversation. And he says, but um, that's why you can be in a church for 20, 30 years and not really know the people that are in your church because you haven't taken the time. And now with technology, we have less time or attention span or more insecurity or attention deficit to break through that seven minutes and have a good conversation. And uh, one of the things I try to really be intentional about is having coffee or having a meal with someone. That's the only way I get to know them. Uh, I don't know a person until I can hear their story. John Eldridge taught me that. I want to know their story. I want to know what makes you tick and what is your passion and what do you like to do. And that's the good thing about Pepperdine and all the classes and Christine Gaines and the people who spoke are great, but um, the food, just eating and sharing last night, and last night I got to visit with uh, Kirk and um, Lori, and uh, he's going to China because their son's a missionary. Oh, I didn't know that. Tell me about your son being a missionary in China. And I got to have that conversation. So, to Jesus, the crowds were about people. Jesus was moved when he saw the crowds, and here we have this passage that from the Message Bible, then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages, and he taught in their meeting places, and reported kingdom news. Now, this is from the Message Bible, so it's going to read a little different. And he healed their diseased bodies, he healed their bruised and hurt lives, and when he looked, personal awareness there, when he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. Now, what's the word that most of the versions used? He had compassion. He had compassion. He had compassion. But I like this so much better. So if I was to be strict about this word, this is a mistranslation. Because the word is compassion. What we, but this gives the meaning. And I imagine if his heart broke, he tried tears. He cried tears. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep without no shepherd. What a huge harvest. He said to his disciples, how few of the workers, on your knees and pray for harvest hands. Um, that wonderful uh, series of books by A.T. Robertson, Word Pictures. He said here the word, uh, <clears throat> when he saw the people, he said he saw a sad and pitiful state of the crowds. They were rent or mangled as if by wild beasts. And his heart broke. This is so significant, this passage. I, maybe to you, you come back to this passage and he looked over the crowds and he saw the shape they were in. But he didn't lose the trees because of the forest. I like that. I, 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 Jesus saw people. And then here we have this passage where he gathered his disciples and people together. And aren't there seven woes and, oh, this should be Matthew 23. That's a, aren't there set, the seven rows? I could only count six woes as he just excoriated the Pharisees and Sadducees for their hypocrisy, you snakes, you brood of vipers, and just, just gave them a tongue lashing in righteous anger. 
But then, like a parent, after his anger, he was through with his anger, and then you see his tears. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And if I would, I would have had a picture that Thomas Kincaid did of looking over Jerusalem. I love that picture that he did. Who kills the prophet, stones God's messer. How often I wanted to gather children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. You wouldn't let me. I wanted to nurture you and validate you. I wanted to protect you and nurture you. That was the plan. That's how it's supposed to be. But you said no. Now you're unprotected. You're vulnerable. You're uh, prey for the enemy. And uh, I can see the tears on that. I, I, I can see the tears running down his face. So I think that that is a, a significant passage. When we come to some of the Gospels, we see that crowds, especially if you go to the Gospel of Mark, and you look at Mark, and, and you just do a little, you know, I like to take my Bible, I like to find a key word, and then I'll put lines down. And if you do that in the Gospel of Mark with the word crowd, and you see the crowds, you know, Mark is immediately, you know, quickly, Mark is a fast-paced, bang, 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 bang gospel with not a whole lot of narrative, not a lot of big sermons, just action, action. And yes, crowds follow him. But you know what? Jesus never got caught up in the crowds. Uh, I heard someone say about one minister years ago that he loved crowds, but not people. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's easy to get caught up in the crowds. I do know that. And Jesus... He, he didn't get caught up in the crowds. And he seemed to kind of push, overlook the cloud, crowds or see the people in the crowds. And there's um, two things that I see when it comes to crowds is he's constantly trying to get away from the crowds and have some quiet time. And secondly, whenever he did a miracle, he says, now, don't tell anyone. That's in the Gospel of Mark. And I think that I wrote this down. Jesus spoke to the crowds, but he preferred the person. He spoke to the crowds, but he preferred the persons. Remember Zacchaeus, the tree? And he comes walking by and he looks up and sees him. He knows he has an interested person here. And John Maxwell said something way back when. I remember I was listening to Focus in the Family early 90s, and I had my little cassette player on, and I was trying to record it because I wanted to hear it, and I had a beat-up cassette. I used that cassette for years, because he taught me five things that I know about people. A great message. And I found it on Focus on the Family again. And the first thing is that everybody wants to be somebody. Jesus saw that. Everybody wants to be somebody. Isn't that true? Now, sometimes I put a lot of defenses up against, so you have a difficulty getting to find that person. To me, it's a great gift. It's a great gift if someone makes their life available to you. And they open to you. And they're willing to share their life to you. Gosh, I, I can't expect that. Nor forgive me to exploit that for personal gain. But when someone opens up their heart to you, everybody wants to be somebody. And then this great old worn out but true 
people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is how I became a follower of Christ. I was brought to Christ through a young lady that I was attracted to, and she brought me to church. And I was willing to suck it up and go to church to be around this girl. And then the people became involved in my life. And they wanted me to come to Wednesday night, but I smelled horrible. I was working swimming pools and construction. They said, come anyway. I remember one time I was with my mom. My mom wasn't a part of the church, and we drove by on a Sunday night going out to my grandfather's house, and I looked and I saw people in the cars in the parking lot. I said, what are they doing there on Sunday night? We had Sunday night church, too. And so I got involved on Sunday night. And I had people, I remember I did my first sermon, and Barney Young, I think he was originally from Hayward, he said, Dan, don't ever lose your enthusiasm. I'll never forget that. Barney's long gone, but he taught me. Don't ever lose that enthusiasm. And then the third thing John Maxwell said, and probably this goes along with last night, what Kevin talked about with Don McLaughlin, everybody who belongs to the body of Christ belongs to everyone in the body of Christ. Ah, oh, I wish I had my pixie dust and my magic potion, and I could just anoint the body of Christ and our community to understand how important that everyone is in the body of Christ. Very important. Key. And then number four, anybody who helps somebody influences a lot of bodies. Uh, that takes a little while to figure out, but you just, that's so true. So we just turn it over to God and just know that that's how God works. One person. The value of one. And then last, God loves everybody. And so five things by John Maxwell. Listen to that. Find that. It's a kick how he does that. Just have a lot of respect for John Maxwell. Okay. So here's audience participation time, but you're going to have to divide up into twos for a minute. All right? Find someone, and for a minute, discuss among yourselves what is your favorite encounter in the Bible with Jesus and someone else. What is your favorite encounter of someone encountering Jesus in a dialogue that goes on? And uh, so find someone and uh, share with them what is your favorite encounter, Jesus and another person, okay? Okay. First one that comes to mind. Mine absolutely have to be John chapter 4. Jesus
Okay, everyone. Let's hear a few of uh, of your favorite encounters with Jesus. Pat, what did you find? At the Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. All right. Now, one commentator that I've read through the years says that Jesus may have stayed at the well for hours waiting for her. I thought that was a very interesting perspective about the woman at the well. I didn't think of that. Okay, what's another one? David, what did you find? I mentioned uh, how Jesus looked at that man, Nathaniel, and he said something about it. It was remarkable. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Behold, an Israelite. An Israelite, yes. There's no, there no phoniness about no him. No phoniness, no guile. Okay. <laughs> Jim, who did you, what did you have? Well, I was thinking of uh, Jesus' first miracle at Cana. Oh. His... Uh, compassion for the crowd that he uh, wanted to make sure they had a nice wedding. Yeah. And saw their human needs, their very human needs. Very human needs. Yeah. remember one time I lost my key at camp, Bible camp, and I was so frustrated trying to find it, and I had one of the campers come to me and say, have you prayed about it? Mm-hmm. I said, no? <laughs> I'm just trying to find my key. <laughs> we did find it, and we did pray about it. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. But he saved the best for last. Yeah. Most of the time, at a wedding, you pull out the good stuff, and then afterwards, the two-buck check comes out, right? <laughs> but in this case, okay, how about for you, Patty? Would you want mine or my new friend? Bruce? Either one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but your new friend. Uh, go ahead. I, I like the story of the, the Syrophoenician woman, ha, ha, the ha. woman who doesn't seem to initially get the, the response she's looking for from Jesus or the disciples, and yet she just is so persistent. And yeah. She won't be denied like blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> shh, shh. Jesus! Jesus! Son of David! <laughs> I, I mean, I've come for that, for the children of the house of Israel. Uh, and uh, she says, but, you know, I have a need, uh, but I can't give what's meant for the children to the dogs. But even the dogs, she said, she would not be denied, huh? It's almost as if Jesus says, touche. <laughs> and then, ha, 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 ha. That's really good. Okay, let's have, how about two more? Uh, Mike, what did you come up with? Well, we both came up the same one. Uh, one woman at the well, but so I let her tell the reason why. But I also thought of Jesus in the temple, turning the table, Jesus' anger yeah. with, with them and uh, how human he really is, and uh, that righteous anger is uh, demonstrated. Yeah, and I wonder if like Matthew 23, if afterwards, 
after that anger came out, if you would just would have been over sitting down and just weeping, yeah. you know, just about the brokenness of God's temple. I mean, look how intentional God is in the book of Exodus and Ezekiel about the temple. And look what they turned it into. And you've turned it into just a horrible place. It just had to just crush God to see that. Uh, how about you, Holly? I'll, I'll do this for the last one. What did you come up with? Well, I'm not going to tell mine. I'm going to tell my friends because <laughs> mine's already been mentioned. Sure. But she, um, she was um, discussing how Jesus interacted with Mary and Martha. Yeah, exactly. Very personal, huh? And then when, when Jesus came to the tomb, what he just got there, you know, and he just wept. Wept over the human condition, over a friend dying, over the sadness. And the people were shocked when they saw that. Look at how he loved him. Just, and we just cry sometimes because of this is not how life is supposed to be. We see a sadness, either over our own life, and we, you know, I, I was walking on the road one day by where I live, and I was so depressed. I was so, I guess, discouraged. And I was trying to figure out, okay, my marriage, oh, my marriage is fine. My kids, huh? my kids are good. Church, yeah, church, yeah, that's a good What is wrong? And there's just a part of me that's just, I think, not meant for this world. It just, I'm still a little undone in this world. Something not right, or something upside down that Jesus is trying to turn right side up, and we find, you know, that weeping comes in the evening, maybe joy in the morning. Okay, I put a couple more down. I put Nicodemus. I put Nicodemus because Jesus never berates him for coming at night. Why didn't you come? You're a spiritual leader. Why didn't you come during the day? Where were you when I was teaching? Oh, look who come. He didn't berate him. He didn't disvalidate or unvalidate. I know those probably aren't words. But he never cut him down for coming. I think that's significant. He never made him feel less than a man because he was afraid. And I think that stuck with Nicodemus. Because when Jesus dies on a cross, who goes to get his body? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who's looking for the kingdom of God. I think that some of the nonverbals speak very loud there about Nicodemus. You know, in that same Gospel of John, that's John 3, but in John 9, 22, it says that uh, some of the people wouldn't confess him because they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. Well, Nicodemus was, I don't know, not a wimp. He didn't man up. Came at night. Fearful. I, I think that's significant. And then I thought of the, uh, Jesus and the lame man. The man who's been lame for 38 years at the pool of Bethsaida. And what does Jesus say to him? The first thing is, do you wish to get well? What? <laughs> do I wish to get well? Well, we find the latter part of the story in verse 14 of John 5, where Jesus says, now... Um, don't be stupid and do something worse. Because he teaches us what real sickness is. I mean, 38 years of being sick is pretty bad. But there may be something even worse or 
something that caused that 38 years of sickness, I don't know. But he tells us that there could be something worse that could happen. What an what, what, what a interaction. And then we have the blind man who evidently, as we find the blind man, we find that, that he wasn't a sinner or his parents were sinners, but it was for the glory of God. And we find by the end of the story that he has more vision than the other people who have sight. And we find, well, that's an interesting encounter. Of course, Zacchaeus. And then the woman with an issue of blood. That is an amazing story. This woman should, in the midst of the crowd, here is someone who shouldn't have faith, and yet she has the most precious faith. And she thinks to herself, if I can just touch. She doesn't even say it. She thinks it. And it activates the power of God to where she just touches the hem of the garment. And she's healed. And Jesus, knowing power had come out of him. That's a little Star Wars, Star Wars to me. Um, that's a powerful thing. And then I'd, I'd like to finish these, these, these uh, encounters. He spoke to crowds, yet he preferred the person. And then when he gets to the cross, that has to be the most personal encounters. Because here we have two thieves on the cross. One is joining the other mockers and criticizing him. And then passage, I think one of the gospels says that both of them, but one of them is watching Jesus, how he's dying. And you could probably, I guess, tell something about a person by how he dies. And uh, he wises up and he says, you know what, we're only getting what we deserve. This guy hasn't done anything. Now, how do you know that? If that's not a prophetic or a divine situation... And then he looks over and Jesus says, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Now how's that for an encounter with Jesus? We don't know his story. We don't know why he's on the cross. We don't know his background, his pedigree, his family. We don't know any of that. But we know that he has, faith has been activated. And of course Jesus says, today, this day, what? You'll be a man in paradise. Now, that is an encounter, a personal encounter. God. And then another personal encounter on the cross is when Jesus sees uh, his mother and uh, his mother's sister, and they're Mary Magdalene. I think there's three or four Marys there. And, of course, John, and he looks at the woman and, and then the disciple whom he loved and said, Mother, behold your son. And then to the disciple... Behold your mother. And from that day forward, he took Mary into his home. How's that for an encounter on the cross? A personal encounter. That's amazing. And so I thought of this. So, so I, I heard this. Love is just a word until someone gives it meaning. And that's what we do. When we get to know people and are intentional about getting to build and form a relationship with a person. And you can only do that so much. You, you can't be a deep with everyone. Jesus couldn't. I can't. Um, and it doesn't always turn out. But if we're intentional about connecting with people at a real level, something happens. I've got some pretty cool neighbors. 
We sold our house, moved into our business next door. Wendy has a business that we, we live in the little apartment. And uh, two of my neighbors are there and they haven't always gotten along. And uh, I like them both. I really do. And one, one has been a painter and I was able to help him out when he was in a time of need. <laughs> I gave him something that he sold on eBay and he thought that was really cool. And uh, he definitely reciprocated because he let me use a lift, a big boom lift that I could paint the top part of my house. And he let me have the lift for 10 days. And um, gave me a bunch of paints, helped me out. Well, he pulled back about a year ago. And um, I don't know why he pulled back, but it led me to about after three months to go over and say, are we okay? Has something happened here? Because I miss, you know? And he says, I'm just going through some personal stuff. Oh, no problem. Be thinking of you, you know? I, I wish he would have come over and visited because he had cancer. And he died a month ago. He was in his 40s. But he had a girlfriend, and she was there for him. And I was really happy about that. He had someone. I wish he And so my neighbor across the street, they had really gotten into a spat with two neighbors. And uh, it was awkward. So he told me when the neighbor passed away. I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know what. And his girlfriend came out, because we like to hot tub next door sometimes. And the girlfriend came out, and she was just weeping. Because um, there was a friendship years ago between those two couples, and she was mourning. And I thought, there's a beautiful heart in there. Beautiful heart. And she's coming to our church now. I'm excited about that. And with her kids, and it took her parents. Her parents live in a different town, pick up. She just couldn't do it. And so her parents bring her and bring her kids now. You know, it just takes a while sometimes. And you know, your spouse, Wendy and I, 33 years. She married a stranger. You know, that's what we do, right? We marry strangers. And we don't know how it's going to turn out. We hope it's going to turn good. And we can either be thrilled with our discoveries or we can be bummed out about, oh, how things. I didn't know she was like that. I didn't know he was like that. So I'm going to conclude with a couple of things here. Love is just a meaning, a word, until someone gives it meaning. And so you do that. I know you do. You give meaning. You give meaning to people's lives. You've learned how important a relationship is. You've, you've walked life and you see how valued and how fragile relationships can be. And uh, we're still in this process of understanding and maturing. It says here in John 1, I use the New Living Translation. I like the New Living Translation. So the Word became human. 
and made his home among us. And so here's Jesus stepping through the portals of eternity. The, the world of eternity. Oh Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the heavens were born or you brought forth the sea and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Let us make man in our... And so Jesus leaves the, the beauties, the glory of heaven, and he crosses through the threshold of time and he steps into our world and comes in as a baby in a manger. Goodness, to poor parents who have to do this journey, pilgrimage, to avoid losing their son. What a story, huh? And we've seen his glory, glory, and he, he became flesh. And so what Colossians says now, we take this, the first incarnation, and I heard this from Rubel Shelley way long ago, and now we become, in a way, the second incarnation. So here we have Paul saying about the mystery. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the riches, which is Christ in you. You are, we are the incarnation, so to speak, of God to our world. And he doesn't say you will be light or you will be salt, but... You are the salt of the earth. And you keep our society from stinking and rotting and preserving. You are, especially this young man back here, Andre. You are. That's who you are. Everywhere you go, you think, I don't feel like light. You are. <laughs> and as light, you show the way. And sometimes I show the wrong way. And I have to come back and make it right. I should make it right and say, you know what, that wasn't so cool. And sometimes our best work is in the, is in the work of reconciliation. Yeah. And so you are, you are, is Christ in you the hope of glory? It's a beautiful thing. You're single, is Christ in you the hope of glory? You're poor, you're wealthy, Christ in you the hope of glory. Be intentional to know the revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the value of every person. So I'm going to conclude our time with, with a reminder of the value that we have. And this is a movie that describes a very powerful man among some very horrible people. And his eyes are open to see the mistreatment of another group of people. And he cannot believe that his own people are mistreating this group of people in such a shocking way. And he goes about doing something. But he has an epiphany at the end. And so, let me play that as we end. The Black Panther leaves. In five days. Are you ready? The wait is over. This time we're on top of Wakanda home. Marvel Studios Black Panther on digital in five days. Let's go!
person we weep with everyone and when we laugh with someone we laugh with because we're all uniquely the same and uniquely different the Apostle Paul said it like this I'm telling the truth I love how, I love this passage I'm telling the truth I am not lying I, I've never seen a passage like this I'm telling the truth in Christ I am not lying my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ, for the sake of my kinsmen, Israelites, according to the flesh. What a passage. I had someone say when I shared that passage, uh, he said that because he knew it couldn't happen. That's the significance of that passage. No, I think it's far greater than that. that. That passage speaks of someone who had come to see the value of a person, people. And he was, gosh, willing to give up his salvation, willing to be accursed if his... Now that, that is quite a journey he's taken. So I, I want to encourage you, and I, and I know you are, to, to be intentional about 
a person, the people around you. Um, it's easy for me to get caught up in lots of people, but I, I really, these days, I try to take it a little, a little slower, a person each, a person at a time. And, you know, Jesus said that tremendous passage that Bulgara says in the Jungle Book, greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. And so Christ laid down his life for us. And so um, I hope that I will not be obsessed with trying to preserve my life and keep my life. And um, that uh, I hope that after the years of marriage that my wife will feel like she married someone that's been good to her and that my kids feel like they're loved and that the church and the community and the people around you feel like they were people with, with a story and they, they should be well cared for and you're interested in them. And the people in your church, especially the older people and the children, make it special for them. And sometimes, it, like for my neighbor and the people I work with, it's going to take some tears. You have to go through some life experiences. So that was my class. I thank you for coming and enjoy the rest of your night.